Welcome to the Mind Podcast. Unfiltered, unedited, real conversations. Determined to break the stigma of mental health by passing the mic to your favorite humans to describe their journey in their words. Hey everyone, this is Erica, and you're listening to the Mind Podcast, talking to your favorite humans about mental health and their journeys. Today, I am super excited to welcome Emily Swallow. You may know her from The Mandalorian or, I don't know, Supernatural? (laughs) All right, here we go. Okay, perfect. All right, so I guess I usually like starting off with like, where did your journey with mental health begin? Like, were you young, older, what age around? Um... Golly. Uh, well, when did I first become aware that, that, uh, mental health was even a thing? Right. Um, yeah, that, that, that awareness that, uh, that our, our mind is something that we can take care of, um, I guess came into my consciousness and, Middle school or high school? I've never okay. really thought about that. I because I, I guess what I'm trying to think of is like when when do I first remember feeling stressed? Like this idea of stress and anxiety. And I think right. it was probably middle school, high school, because um I uh I, I grew up in a very, very loving household. I have an older brother who um is super charismatic and was like a superstar athlete. And so I wanted to excel in some other way. And academics was the way that I excelled. And I put a lot of pressure on myself to, um, to get good grades, to shine in that way. Um, my parents were very supportive. They didn't, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of pressure on me from the outside. It was mostly me. Um, and so I feel like, yeah, I feel like middle school, high school is where that concept of stress first came in and anxiety. So that was the first time also the concept of like, okay, how do I mitigate that maybe first came in? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It, that question really jars some people sometimes because it's almost like this thing where you don't really, there's never a point in time where you're like, Oh, yep. That's definitely depression or anxiety or whatever it may be. So it just kind of like flows into your life without you noticing one day. Yeah. So yeah, it is very interesting. Okay. So middle school, high school, um, what were your first symptoms? If you can identify them, I guess would be (laughs) kind of going off of that. Um, this intense desire to, um, to please people, to, to get, I think because I was so, when I, 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 I wasn't certain in my own self that I was choosing the right thing in my life in any number of areas. Um, and so I wanted somebody else to tell me that I was choosing the right thing. Um, it's funny. I, I think it's funny. Um, I asked my brother several years ago now, um, but I, I, you know, as, as I was trying, you know, to peel the layers off of like a lot of the, the anxiety that I have grappled with and, and a lot of the the real like um the rigidness that i put on myself and the mm-hmm. um these high standards that i set for myself and i asked my brother i said i said where well, like was i like this when i was a kid because you know as i said we had these very encouraging parents they didn't um they certainly didn't punish us when we got but you know they 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 set the bar high they did like really um impress upon us the importance of like working hard and and um and 
certainly wanted us to get good grades and wanted us to excel in extracurricular activities, but it wasn't like we had harsh discipline if we didn't. Um, and so I said, Where, you know, was I like this? Where do you think that came from? And he said, he said, you know, it's so weird. And he said, I, I feel like mom and dad sort of said to us, um, you know, we just want you to be happy. We want you to whatever it is that you're that you're going to choose as your path in life. Um, we want you to be happy and we want you to excel at that. And he said, my brother said, uh, it, it seems like you took that and you decided that that meant that you had to prove that whatever you did choose was like the thing that was going to make you the happiest and that you weren't wasting any potential and that you had made like the ultimate choice. And that made total sense to me because I do feel like I have always been terrified of making the wrong choice without even being able to really qualify that or quantify that as to what like wrong would be. Um, but I've just always sort of, if I could, could describe like what anxiety feels like to me, my particular anxiety, it's this feeling of like this little thing over my shoulder going, nope, that's, that's wrong. You did that the wrong way. You chose the wrong thing. You let that person down. You wasted that opportunity. You have failed everyone and everything. Um, and you know, if pressed to, uh, like I said, if pressed to like get really specific about what that means, it's very challenging for me to do that, but that's the feeling. Right. Yeah. It's, would you almost call yourself a perfectionist? Yeah. Even though I would also say, well, there's no way I could ever be perfect. I'm messing up all the time. I think that's exactly what a perfectionist would say. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of seems to fit right in. Mm -hmm. um, so at what point, or maybe have you ever engaged in any sort of therapy or like, what was your first experience with any mental health care provider? Uh, in grad school, I guess. So I, uh, I went to, I got my undergrad at University of Virginia and I was a Middle Eastern studies major, foreign affairs, but I was also, because um, I, I thought I wanted to go into the state department and be an, a foreign service officer. But at the mm. same time as I was, I was doing that as my major, I was also heavily in, involved in the drama department and UVA is a fantastic school. The drama department is wonderful because you can be very um, heavily involved without being a drama major. And there's people, of, mm. um, you know, all different majors that are, that are doing productions there. And, um, and while I was there, I had a, a, a number of wonderful teachers who encouraged me to, if I loved it, to pursue it as a, as a um, profession. Um, and so I then went to NYU um, grad to school of the arts. And, um, <laughs> and my first semester there, at the end of my first semester in my evaluation, I got put on probation. And it was <sighs> the best thing because it was the worst thing for somebody like me. They put me on mm -hmm. probation because they said, you're trying too hard to get everything right. You're trying too hard to please us. You're trying too hard to figure out the right way to do this. And they said, if you, if you, if this is how you're going to pursue your craft and if this is how you're going to pursue um, your, your training, A, you're going to be, uh, really boring as an actor, B, you're going to be really bored as an actor, and C, you don't belong in this particular training program because that's not the type of actor that we cultivate. Um, and so they said, go uh, mess up. You got to be willing to fall on your face. You got to be willing to take risks. Um, and of course, you know, I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? How do I, you know, basically like, how do I get that right? And they were like, give me the checklist. Yeah. Don't know. Just go do it. 
And it was fantastic because, you know, it, it totally like flipped me upside down. Um, I didn't know what they meant, which was great because <laughs> I, I had to figure it out for myself. And I, I think that that was probably what then made me go, okay, I need to go talk to somebody. I don't understand. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that, it, I mean, it was at least around that time, I guess, that I started, um, sort of unpacking things with a, a therapist and, um, and it was just, uh, it, it was something that I, I had never pursued before because I thought, I thought you didn't do that. I, I had no judgment about anyone who did it, but I thought you just didn't do that unless you had like a, like a big, you know, problem with a capital P, like right. a project that you needed to deal with and then you would moved on. I didn't really see something like therapy as something that you would do as an ongoing thing, just as a maintenance, um, no. which I now see it as. Um, and that was, and that, that was just because I didn't really know much about it. And because I think um, in my immediate, like, you know, in my family and my close intimate circles, um, I didn't really know anyone who had been through therapy, not because they hadn't, probably just because I didn't know about their experiences. Mm. Um, and I, I, I was sort of raised in a family where people were more private about their emotional experiences out of a sense of respect. Um, hmm. that for was themselves how or for others? Sorry? Oh, I, in terms of the respect piece of it, showing respect for themselves, like keeping things privately for themselves or for others? For others. Like you don't, okay. you don't necessarily ask out of respect for the other person. If they want to share with you, they will. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I, I've gotten to challenge now that idea. Yeah. Um, and my family has, has, we've, we've all sort of grown past that and we've gotten closer and I'm grateful for that. And I also see that some of that was sort of a construct in my own head. I thought I understood it one way and, um, and maybe misunderstood some of that. Um, but yeah, that, that, uh, it was in grad school, I guess, that I first, um, started seeing somebody, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So young adulthood. I mean, I feel like a lot of people that is the time because I think at that point life gets really hard. You know, it gets to the point where you're like, okay, like you were saying, is this something I want to do? Am I on the right path? You have yeah. a lot of questions come up. So well, you finally have choices to make, right? Yes. I mean, yes. Oh my gosh. You, you, uh, you, you go from like, you're in school and you're, you're given this schedule and you're given this track that you're on and you're given mm -hmm. like, you have some choices, but really like most decisions are made for you. Yeah. And then you start to have more autonomy. You know, you're away from home for the first time. You're like given all these things that you get to decide. And that is a wonderful thing. And it's a, a very daunting thing too. Oh yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. You know, anyone, 30 years old and older is probably like, oh yeah, that was a great time, but also kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you don't mind, did they diagnose you with anything in particular? No, there's nothing, oh. nothing particular that I, I don't think I've been diagnosed with various things through the years <laughs> that okay. haven't really stuck. I don't feel like I was diagnosed with anything at that time, um, that I, I, I can't, I can't remember. Okay. If yeah. you care to share, what are some of those random diagnoses? Yeah. The, the non-sticky diagnoses. Um, well, so from what I, the one that really sticks out for me, because I, um, I guess when I was around 30, I, I, I had, I have had sleep issues for many, 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 mm. many, many, many years. Um, and when I was in my late twenties, 
um, I just could not sleep through the night and it was a real mm -hmm. issue. Um, I mean, it was obviously a physical issue because, um, you know, not getting enough sleep, but it was a real emotional thing too, because I would, I would wake up, I was anxious. I would wake up, I would eat a lot of the time. Um, lots of things going into it as anyone who has trouble sleeping will tell you, you know, it's a multifaceted thing. And yeah. so, um, for me though, also like a big, a big, a, a piece of it that was getting bigger and more distressing was the fact that I would get up and I would eat in the middle of the night. Cause I felt like I had no control over how much I would eat. Um, it would often mm. turn into these binges. Um, and, uh, you know, as a woman, as an actor, of course, I'm concerned about my weight, um, yeah. oftentimes to an unhealthy extent. And so I thought, well, if I could at least sleep through the night, then maybe I could get a handle on the eating and I wouldn't be distressed about that. So I remember going to see um, a psychiatrist to talk to him about my sleep issues because I thought, well, if I could at least get something to take for the sleeping, then maybe that would help me get a handle on that piece of it. And then that would alleviate some of the anxiety because some of the anxiety is coming from being stressed out about eating and gaining weight and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. um, and so that doctor diagnosed me as, which one was that? OCD, <laughs> I want to say. Huh. Um, and he put me on a medication for that. He also gave me Ambien and it turns no. out I'm one of the people who should not be taking Ambien. Um, because I got up in the middle of the night, rode my bike to the grocery store, bought a bunch of groceries, came back home, went back to sleep, got up the next morning with no memory of it. Um, and, you know, went to the kitchen and I was like, where did all these groceries come from? Found the receipt, saw the timestamp on it, slowly put together what had happened. Um, also felt like completely hungover. Like Ambien was horrible for me. Um, so I had, I, I, but, but yeah, I tried, I, I was on a medication for OCD for a while. And, um, and that diagnosis, the next, I, I went to see a different shrink and he did not feel like that diagnosis was apt. And I was off of that medication. I've also been diagnosed as, ADD, um, hmm. Hmm. have been diagnosed for, you know, just like generalized anxiety disorder, which is probably accurate. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, ugh, I feel like there's so many, so many places, like I have so many things to say about all of that. Um, but you just asked me what I've been diagnosed as. So that's. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, if you want to share, if you feel like that's something that would be helpful for other people, that's one of my passions here is to, you know, to normalize mental health. So if you feel yeah, like well, that would be helpful to kind of diverge into that, then that's totally fine. I do feel like, you know, look, I, I feel like there are, there are things that are, helpful about getting specific about a diagnosis. And then there are things that, that I think can be, um, kind of like a, a, um, I'm trying to find a, a metaphor that that's eluding me. Um, there are things that are sort of like raising a, I guess, raising a false flag because, and of course it varies from person to person because there are some yeah. people who do absolutely definitely have a, a chemical imbalance that absolutely definitely can be treated with a specific medication. And then yeah. there are some people like for me personally, I think that there are some symptoms that I have displayed along the way that could fall into certain categories that are useful for me to go, oh, that's interesting. That could fall into that diagnosis. Okay. What does that tell me about me? But for me, it seems to be, um, from my experience and, you know, 
being put on these medications, the medication is not going to do much for me. Um, you know, being on the medication under the supervision of a doctor, taking it as prescribed, there have been very few medications um, with these like whack-a-mole diagnoses that have done anything for me. There have been right. a few exceptions um, that have helped in very low doses. Um, but I do think that it's interesting to take note of what the diagnoses have been, because then when I look at, okay, what are the other things associated with this diagnosis? What are the behavioral tendencies? What are the larger, you know, what's the bigger picture here that goes with this diagnosis? That does tell me something about me and my personality and right. some of the, maybe the more like cognitive behavioral therapies, some of the some of the things that I can work on and more of a, um, more of a behavioral thing and more of a, um, a conscious way to, you know, make some changes in how I'm structuring my day, make some changes in the way that I'm thinking about things with the help of other people with, um, you know, going back to the thing with the eating in the middle of the night, it turns out like what I really needed, um, I am somebody who has a totally um, disordered relationship with food at times. Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. I found to be really helpful was to go to um, uh, an eating disorder support group and to um, work the steps around food and around my relationship with food and to be around other people who also have um, issues with food and, you know, control issues with food, whether that be binging, whether that be anorexia, whether that be bulimia, you know, whatever it is, it's all something about like my relationship with food is not purely like, oh, food is fuel and I mm -hmm. eat it to get through the day. Like I try to control food sometimes. I try to use food as a drug sometimes. I, I do things with food that are not purely food for fuel. Um, and it also still helps me to go check in with, um, and I know this is sort of all over the place because now I've, I've jumped from however many years, but like at this point, you know, That's I, okay. I do still, um, I do still have a psychiatrist that I check in with uh, every couple of months. Um, and I do have something that I take for uh, anxiety that seems to help in addition to um, putting um, structure in my life that helps with that. Um, in addition to, you know, being very proactive about okay, how can I, like, what kinds of things do I need to put in place in my life? What kind of support do I need in my life? And for me, that also absolutely means being more honest about like what I can't do myself and what I need, mm -hmm. like spiritually, what I need, um, uh, what I need to really like key into every day for my spiritual practice and with my faith and then with my community, with people around me, um, and recognizing that it is, that all of these things are a, a, absolutely a practice, you know, that it is a daily practice, yeah. that it's a, um, a daily reprieve. And it's not like, you know, there's nothing like, I, I find it really, really easy to think about these things the way that I think about like exercise is a part of my almost daily routine. And I can see very objectively that if I want to make my body stronger, I do have to, you know, do something every day. Like I can mm -hmm. see that you don't go to the gym like once a, once a week and expect to, or sorry, once a month and be able to like, you know, bench press your body weight. Right. And in the same way, like I can't just like check in with God, you know, once a month and expect to be able to have faith. Like it's not a magic bullet. Um, right. I can't check in with, you know, one of my friends who I want to be able to feel a close friendship with like once a year 
and expect right. to be able to like have that connection. Um, and so I do see more and more, I guess the, the older I get, like all of these things are like, just like sprinkling those, those seeds on a, on a daily basis. Um, yeah. and then having the faith that if I am putting the time in, you know, even if it is just a, a few minutes a day for all, for those things on a daily basis, like that foundation is there so that then when something challenging happens and when does something challenging not happen? Like, you know, <laughs> this is life. Um, right. Then that foundation is there and, and I won't go into a tailspin. Right. Right. No, that, I think that makes a lot of sense. It sounds like it took you a long time to, to really find something that worked for you though. Is that correct to assume? <laughs> did. Yes. I am somebody who has to make a lot of mistakes before I finally, like, you can tell me something <laughs> works. You can tell me something doesn't work. You can say, don't do this because it's going to hurt really badly. And I'll go, yeah, maybe for you. And then I have yeah. to go try it. And then I have to go be like, oh my gosh, that hurts so bad. Why? Yeah. You just, sometimes that experience holds on stronger than anybody ever telling you anything. Mm -hmm. Well, and and, we do, like, I, I, I am grateful for all of those experiences because, you know, I, 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 I feel like I, I remember what I learned from the bad experiences, sometimes a lot more than what I learned from the good experiences. So I feel like it oh, yeah. all happens the way it's supposed to. Right. Right. And I'm sure that took you a long time to learn too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah unfortunately i think that's how it is for most people yeah um okay so currently it sounds like um you did mention you have some medication that you still utilize and that seems to work for you which is awesome because i know uh medication can be like this hamster wheel sometimes of like oh that didn't work so here just let me throw something else at you and hopefully it works yeah. um what are some of your favorite coping skills that you utilize? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, nature. I mean, that's like okay. my, that's my magic bullet now. I mean, okay. the best thing for me is to go just like get lost in the woods, um, go out into the ocean. My husband and I live in Topanga out in Los Angeles. Um, mm -hmm. And it is, in the morning I can get up and I can just go uh, get on a trail and just go run somewhere, just go hike somewhere. And that's so great. Um, I took up surfing several years ago um, and I'm really not very good at it at all, but just the, the kind of the ritual of getting into the water and being willing to be in the water, being willing to go with the water because you can never control the water and right. being willing to um, work with the water to try to catch a wave um, is so good to reset myself because I can tell if I'm in a, a headspace of like trying to control and trying to maneuver and trying to make things happen because that doesn't work when you're trying to surf. I can also tell if I'm really uh trepidatious and if i'm really scared because i will mm. you know i'll be out there and i'll be like okay here i'm going i'm going mm, i don't want to get this one you know i'll keep yeah, like okay. avoiding trying to catch the wave um yeah. and then it gives me an opportunity to actually like physically make a different choice which is kind of cool um and then no matter what happens i mean so far at least i do <laughs> walk out at the end of the at the end of the day alive. Um, so I know it hasn't Thank killed goodness. Me. Yeah. Um, and there's something that just feels so, uh, so vital about that, especially because the, you know, even in the summer, the Pacific ocean off the coast of LA is, is not warm. Like, no, it's warmer mm. in the summer, but it's never warm. Um, <laughs> and, um, I, I do, uh, I, I start every morning in prayer and in meditation and, um, in scripture, um, 
And I, I have found, you know, it's funny because I was absolutely one of those people for years who was like, oh, I just can't get up early enough. There's just no time in the morning. I just can't do right. it. And now no matter what, I can't imagine not doing it. You know, some mornings it might be like two minutes, you know, that I have time to like say a little prayer, like maybe write something down, but it absolutely changes the start of my day so much. And I know that I need it so much that it, it, it has to happen. Um, and that's a must for me. Um, and, uh, and I do more and more, you know, try to put, I'm somebody who is in constant motion and I like being mm -hmm. in constant motion. I like things to be fast paced. Um, yeah. and so I find that it, it's really helpful when I can remember, um, to put <laughs> breaks in my day for a few minutes to like kind of disconnect from everything and stop and try to meditate or something, even if it's just like breathe, you know, breathe <laughs> for a few minutes. Um, you know, I'm definitely not one of those people who has mastered like transcendental meditation or anything like that, even though I'm always like, TM sounds so cool. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, I am absolutely a proponent of like finding, you know, what works for you because we are so mm -hmm. uniquely and beautifully made. And I feel like we spend so much time um, looking at how other people have made it work and wishing that we could do that. And it is great to look at what other people do and maybe trying that on because, you right. know, people have found great things. But yeah, we should listen to what it is that we need and we should, you yeah. know, really like not, not tune that out. Um, and, um, and not put, not feel like it's, uh, you know, the, the more that I've really tried to like surrender this idea that it is on me to figure it out. Um, mm -hmm. because I, I think that that's also something that can be so, that's meant to be liberating, but can be, can actually turn into so much pressure is like, you know, you're the one to do it. Like you're the one that's going to solve it. You're the one that's going to make this happen. Um, yeah. that's a lot of pressure. It really is. It really is. <laughs> um, that's why I, I always encourage people to, um, at least seek a higher power. Yes. I'm not, whichever one you want. I don't, I don't care. Just, yeah. It, it gives people purpose and takes away that pressure. Like you're saying, that's, it's hard. It's hard enough to be a human as it is, mm -hmm. but to also put everything on yourself, that just, yeah, it makes it more difficult. So Absolutely. why make things harder for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. I think, I mean, <laughs> find the higher power that, you honestly, genuinely connect with, mm -hmm. um, but don't feel like that, that is you. I don't see how it, that's so much pressure. Yeah. It's too much, honestly. Yeah. Um, how has being a celebrity, being in the entertainment industry changed you, um, in terms of your mental health? Obviously you said it did affect your, eating, which I'm sure was a lot from body image. Mm -hmm. um, how else, how in other ways, do you feel like you've gotten more struggles from being a quote unquote celebrity or you feel like some things have been made easier? I feel like it has pushed some things to the surface that mm we're already there that needed to be grappled with all along, but it's just like, you know, made them come out more forcefully. Like I'm sure the underlying emotional issues that made, that have made me turn to food as a coping mechanism were already there. And right. it's just sort of convenient that I'm in an industry where there's so much focus on, food and body. And so that's the easy thing for me to look at because, you know, like one of the things that I've, I've definitely, um, 
noticed is I, you know, there's so many aspects about being an actor that I could focus on when I'm insecure, when I'm stressed, when I'm nervous, there's so many things that I could be working on, but the easy thing to stress out about is my weight. Right. You know, there's like, that's not the, sure. It's one that people like make a big deal about a lot of the time. And it's the one that like we see on Instagram, we see in magazines, we see blah, 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 blah. But it's not the only thing that people focus on. And it's not the only one that I could be, um, you know, working on to change at any given moment. So, you know, I feel like that's, that is just a coping mechanism that I probably would have used anyway. Um, I think, you know, I, I tell people that, I do sort of feel like the complete chaos and um and the the constant rejection that one faces as an actor in some ways it's such a blessing because it huh. it gives me no choice but to um, live a life in complete faith because otherwise I would go insane. Um, because we, the, 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 the baseline in this career, I mean, in any career, I think in, in the arts and, you know, being creative where you are offering, um, you know, where you're having to audition, where you're offering like kind of on a daily basis, if you're lucky, yeah. you're offering your work, yeah. to, you know, um, you're facing rejection. Like I, I audition for at least a hundred things a year and I don't wow. get probably like 95 of them. Um, wow. And that's normal. Like that's not, you know, that, and that's me being a successful actor. Right. And so I'm still working and I'm still getting good jobs, but I'm also getting the rejection of those, you know, 95 other jobs. And that doesn't, that doesn't not hurt because I still worked on all of those other characters. I put my time into that. I put my emotion into that. And that doesn't mean I'm like victimized by that. You know, that's my choice. That's like part of the job. But it also doesn't mean that it's it's not um, you know it's a loss of a of a sort. It's like one of my friends who's not in the business. She said, she said it's sort of like you're you're when you audition for something, you're just like you you do the audition and then you're just ghosted by this character that you've created because like you put all this time mm. into it and then like it just goes away and you never hear yeah. from the character again. You never get any closure. I was like, yeah, that's kind of a, a good way to look at it. And it is, you know, I mean, of course, it's always at a different level. Like some auditions, yeah. um, I don't feel a lot of like attachment to. But then there are some that I feel really invested in. And I feel like a real closeness to this character that I've created. And it does feel like a, ah, but where did it go? Um, yeah. And there's no way that I would be willing to do that if I didn't have faith that each one has some sort of purpose in my overall um, purpose as an actor and in my overall growth as an artist and my overall purpose as a storyteller and my service to this, this vocation of storytelling. And, um, and so I do, I, 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 I don't look at auditions as each audition. I, I don't look at as look at it as I'm trying to get this job. I really do try to look at them as, um, okay, each audition is, is me. I mean, of course I'm trying to get the job, but I'm, I'm looking at it more as this is just one of the pieces in my overall arc of working on my craft. And, you know, every time I'm auditioning for people that I may be auditioning for something else in the future. I, you know, they may, mm-hmm. they might not cast me for this, but they might think of me when they're working on something else or, um, 
I might be working on something in this particular audition that is going to be something that I really need for this character that I'm playing somewhere else down the line. I just don't right. know. Um, right. And I just have to trust that. I mean, why not trust that since I don't know? I can't possibly micromanage it all. No. Um, oh, goodness, no. <laughs> and someone someone uh, made this great analogy um, about God. And I, I, I call my, I mean, I, I, my, I say God is my higher power um, of what it's like when you're in a, a train station and when you're standing on the platform and you see all of the trains coming in and leaving, it seems like chaos and you don't know how they could possibly not collide. Um, mm -hmm. And yet it all seems to work out and it, you, you can't, you can't understand why, but it just works out. But there is somebody who's up in a, up above all of it in a control room um, up above the station who is orchestrating what time each train is moving in, which track it's on. You know, they're controlling where the train, you know, this train is coming in on this track, this train's leaving on this track so that none of them could ever have a chance of colliding. They know the timing. They know which one's here. They know that this one's going to be leaving in 10 minutes and this one's going to be coming in in five minutes. And and so, you know, they have a plan up above all of it. And and that's sort of like the role that, that uh, you know, the, the comparison between like where we are in the plan and then like where God is in the plan. And I like, right. I like thinking of that because it's just a shift in perspective. Um, and so I think of myself in the middle of auditioning and being rejected and all of that is like, I'm just down here on the platform and it's chaos. And that doesn't take away from the frustration and the, you know, sometimes the, the agony when I have like really, right. really, really want something. Um, but it does help give me a sense of perspective and a sense of faith. Um, I've lost track of what your original question was. <laughs> <laughs> just how being a celebrity and being in the entertainment industry oh, right. has affected you. And it so, sounds like it has, but almost in a good way. Yeah. I, th I think that like being in such a, being in a profession that is so extreme in some mm -hmm. ways has, I mean, it, it's just made it vital for me to either sink or swim really, because I right. either, you know, I could either find, um, find something that works to keep me sane and to give me faith, or I can go off the deep end. <laughs> There's no yeah. middle ground. <laughs> right, right. And, and I feel like the industry gives you a lot of opportunities um, to go off the deep end. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, I get to, to encounter examples of both, right? And I get to choose like, yeah. okay, who do I, who do I want to emulate? Um, and I've worked with people who are just, and, and, and we're in this, I, I'm in this industry and it's not just this industry. I mean, I just feel like it's, it's sort of our culture. We, we tend to strangely make excuses for people in positions of power to exhibit bad behavior. Mm -hmm. And, and then when you meet someone who is in a position of power, who exhibits this incredible talent, um, and they are kind and they are gracious and they are generous. It is a beautiful thing. And I've encountered so many people like that uh, in my in my work. And those are the people that I wanna that I wanna be like. And those are the people that help all the rest of us do a little bit better. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Cause I, I think a lot of people really assume that being in the entertainment industry is not a very enjoyable thing. Like, yeah, sure. There's the money and fame, but um, it, it's heavy, which kind of brings me into my next question about like, how has social media affected you? Have you noticed any um, big difference? Cause you've been in the business for quite some time. Have you noticed that it's changed you in any good way, bad way, neutral, maybe? Well, I've had to navigate it. Um, Man, I'm so glad that it wasn't around when I was in high school. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting, an interesting evolution, and I've had to be very purposeful about how I deal with it. Um, I remember my very first uh, 
taste of 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 the the um I won't say poison, that sounds so dramatic, but sure, why not? The poison of social <laughs> well, media was when yeah. um I so I came into uh the mentalist during season five. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this was before Instagram. I think it was when there was only Twitter, but I could be totally wrong. I just know I was only on Twitter. And um and I was intru- when I was introduced to the show, there was the possibility that I was gonna be a love interest for Patrick Jane. Um, but there had been this tension all along between Patrick Jane and Lisbon, his, uh, his partner. Um, and so I, I had like just gotten on Twitter. I had maybe a few hundred followers and my first few episodes aired and people started tweeting really mean things about me. And I didn't know, I mean, I had hardly even like gone on Twitter or looked at anything to know that people did these things. And I took it completely personally. (laughs) And I was like, what, what did I do? Why are people being so mean? I don't understand. I'm just, I'm just on this show and I'm trying to do a good job. And you know, um, and then I started to understand, oh, people are just mad at me because I'm like threatening this potential, you know, relationship. They were mad at your character, not really you. Yeah. Um, and then, then when I, I was on Supernatural and I remember when, uh, it was scripted that I was, my character was supposed to kiss Jensen Ackles character and, and Misha Collins, uh, came up to me when, when we got that script and he said, I'm so sorry. And I said, but why? And he said, the fans are going to hate you. Um, Hmm. And I said, okay, copy that. And, you know, I was, I was yeah. a little more prepared. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a dicey thing for so many reasons because there are, um, I mean, gracious, I don't, I, I don't even have to say why it can be dicey. We've, we've all seen the, oh, yeah. the complete mob mentality that happens. Yeah. And, and I, I personally, you know, I, I tend to just keep anything that I put on social media about my work. I do put like, I'll put, you know, sweet things about my husband. I'll put cute things about my nephews or something like that. But I definitely don't make it a place where I put anything about politics. Um, well, that's not entirely true because I do... I do post things in support of different, um, you know, charities that I work with. I have put things recently in support of the protests that are going on in Iran, but Mm. I don't see it as a place where any sort of meaningful discussion can happen. Um, Yeah, no. And I see it as a place where the most horrific, car crashes of misunderstandings can happen um, Yeah, to that end. And I have watched, you know, converse, conversations, not real conversations play out where I'm like, but no, that's not what that person was saying. No. And now you're doubling down on this and now you hate this. And ah, and it just like, oh, it, it, it's horrifying to me. Um, so I, I don't use it as an expression of my full self. Um, and so in that way, I, you know, I wouldn't say like, oh, I'm free to be whoever I want to be, but I do feel a certain freedom in that, like, I definitely don't take it too personally what anyone says, because I know they're not really seeing all of me. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie and say that, like, I can look at it and like not be affected by what anyone says. And I also, I, I put limits on myself because it's so easy. I mean, you know, there's an algorithm to all of this. Like they're trying to get us addicted to it. They're trying to get us pulled in and it can be so easy for me to click on one thing, like for a friend, you know, something that I'm meaning to look at. And then all of a sudden I'm going down this rabbit hole and especially, um, you know, especially because of what I do for a living, 
it can be so easy to go from like, oh, I'm just looking at my friend's posts to, oh, wait, what's this other actress doing? Wait, how did she get this part? Wait, oh, look, she's doing this. And now all of a sudden I'm like playing this game of compare and despair with like totally random people simply because yeah. they popped up on my Instagram feed and I have yep. no other data to go by. And now it yeah. suddenly takes on meaning where it shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh it's a different world, social media. It it really yeah. is. I feel like it just it, it, it gathers information and puts us right put it puts it right in front of our eyeballs where you know we never would have had this information before. And mm -hmm. in, in some senses, in some some instances, that is delightful and wonderful, you know. I right. love getting to see like innumerable dumb animal videos. I love getting to right. see like, some people's creativity, like the amazing, ingenious things that people create. Like those things are wonderful. There's wonderful discoveries to be made. That kind of stuff that is accessible in a way that it, it wouldn't have been, you know, 10 years ago is great. On the other hand, there's plenty of information that I don't need to see that my brain doesn't yeah. need to have access to because it's going to take that and it's going to just get the wheels turning and I'm going to go, yeah. oh, I'm not doing so great. Oh, I'm yeah. not as good as that person. Oh, I should be better. I should be this. I should be that. And why? Like that, I wouldn't know anything about that if not for this little algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. For this tiny computer in your phone or in your hand. Yeah. yeah. It's, it is strange. Um, so my last question, well, kind of my last question, um, I promise we're almost done. Uh, <laughs> who are the support people in your life? Who are your ride or dies? Um, definitely my husband. Um, my mom. My mom is absolutely incredible. Um, my best friend, Bree, who, uh, who lives in Prague. So coordinating time zones is oh. sometimes a bit tricky. Hard. Yeah. Um, and then I have, I have a wonderful community, um, at my church in Los Angeles. Um, great group of women there. Hmm. Um, I love that. Yeah. I yeah. Like you very, don't, you don't very... see women supporting women enough. I do. You do? I do. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that's good. Enough. I'm not going to say like, Oh, I see plenty yeah. of that. But I do. Yeah. I have, I, I, I feel really happy to say that I, I see a lot of women lifting other women up. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. I hope that can spread to the world and more people can adopt that. Cause yeah. usually I just see people being nasty. So, um, come hang out with some, some women that I know. I know. Right. I wish I could. You guys are quite a few hours away from me though. <laughs> where do you live? I don't even know where you are. I'm up in Northern California. Yeah. I'm uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Lake Almanor. No, no, no. It's a road trip down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have family who lives down there. So, you know, just Boom. make a, a bit of a turn somewhere else, you know? <laughs> um, so, so usually since the conversation is so heavy, I like to try and end this with like a couple random questions. And I literally use like a random question generator. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Okay. All right. I feel like we end on a lighthearted note. Mm -hmm. um, so the first question is, what is something you learned this past week? What is something I learned this past week? <laughs> like zero. <laughs> um. <laughs> My mind goes blank. Of course, I put you on the spot. I'm sorry, but I I promise I've learned things. Oh yeah, this week we learn new stuff all the time. Let's see. I was up in Rhode Island last weekend. Certainly I learned something there. Um, I learned that, um, apparently I've learned nothing. <laughs> I don't believe that. I'm sure you've learned a lot. We, we can move on to the next one. 
that one is kind of hard because I started thinking, what have I learned? And I think once you really think of it, you're like, oh my gosh. No, I learned something. I learned something from my brother last night because I'm, so I'm in Florida right now because I'm visiting my Mm -hmm. family and we have this uh, hurricane headed this way, Um, Nicole. Who? And he told me, uh, so we're expecting a lot of uh, wind and rain, but apparently because it's a subtropical storm, it is more wind than rain. Huh. I'd never okay. heard of the distinction. Um, I have not either, but I mean, you know, in California, we don't really get storms like that. So, no. no. <laughs> so, of course, you wouldn't know. That makes sense. All right. For the next one. Oops. Sorry. Well, you already answered who's one of your best friends. Okay, this is kind of a silly one. Um, If you were a vegetable, what vegetable would you be? Mushroom. Well, my favorite vegetable is a mushroom. Would I be my favorite vegetable? I don't know if that's accurate. Because what is is this question like, you know, what vegetable do I think really represents me? I would think so. I would assume so. I feel like maybe an asparagus. Hmm. Why is that? Well, because I have like really long, like gangly legs. Okay. And I feel like I'm, I don't know. There's just something about the like asparagus energy that I feels, feels appropriate for me. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You might be called the asparagus now on social media. So make your stay away from so that. Bad. <laughs> You'll hang around forever. That's good. That's what we oh, want. No. <laughs> I don't want to be that person. <laughs> well, in a good way. In a good way. Okay. 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 <laughs> um, okay. For the last one, what's one place you've traveled to that you would never want to go back to? Oh no! Well, I'm going to get enemies in that place if I say okay. that. Okay. I don't. We we don't have to say that then. We can okay. go on to the next one. Yeah. I don't want to make anybody feel bad. Yeah. I after I said it, I'm like, oh, do I really want to ask that? So let me, st- let me find another one. Okay. What would you say your theme song is? Oh, my theme song. Yeah, if you had to oh, pick this one. Is, this is another tough one. What's my theme song? These are harder than the mental health questions. They are. What was I thinking? Um The final countdown just pumped, pumped, pumped into my head, popped into my head. But Maybe. I don't know why. I just find it pleasing because, like, you can, like, you know, make poses to it. Right. right. It's very motivational. And it makes me think of Arrested Development. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So I guess you don't always have to have a logical reason why something is your theme song. No, why? I mean, most of these questions are pretty logical. So yeah. Who needs logic? How much pressure I felt though, to come up with like the right. This is a random question generator. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh my gosh, but what if I don't have the right in? Who cares? Yeah, dude. That's it's a, it's a good motto, the whole who cares thing. Yeah. I'm telling you. It's great to adopt it. It seems like you can do it pretty well, except for with random questions. Yeah. <laughs> You're good with auditions and rejection, but you know, if you ask your vegetable, that's a wrong Random one. <laughs> questions. I'm like, I must get it right. That's so funny. Well, I had an awesome time with you today. Thank you so much. This was lovely. So nice Thank to talk you. to you. Thank you. It's very nice to talk to you too. And I hope maybe one day we can do this again. Yes. And come on down to to LA road trip sometime. I know. Seriously. We'll, we were thinking about it anyway. So, you know, maybe. All right. I'll, I'll stay in touch. Excellent. (laughs) Thank you. Have a fantastic day and have a good Thanksgiving. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the mind podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating or review. To connect with us, 
please head over to Instagram at the Mind Podcast Official. If this podcast helped you in any way, can you do me a quick favor? Send it to a friend who might need it. And a huge, huge thank you to Emily Swallow for making it happen. Please go show her some love. The links are listed. If you have any suggestions or ideas, please feel free to reach out. Thanks again. See you all soon.